Good evening, Redemption. Today's scripture is from Acts 15, verses 1 through 4. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So, being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversation of the Gentiles, and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good evening. It's good to see you all and good to be back with you all. If this is your first time here, my name is Ricardo Stewart and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, today, as the guys have been saying, we have Anniversary Sunday and so we celebrate our third anniversary as a whole church uh, today. And we say that and then you guys are supposed to clap. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know, I know, brimming with excitement today, me too, and I'm excited to be with you guys. Um, I've been out of the teaching role for the past couple of weeks and uh, been doing different things. A couple weeks ago, I was in San Diego uh, doing my last chapel with the football team, didn't work, um, so <laughs> back here now. And then last week, I had an opportunity to go down to Tucson to be with our uh, a good friend and a person that's a resident here with Tempe. He drives up here a couple times a week and is planning a church down there, and so they've been having some core group gatherings in Tucson, and so I got a chance to go and be with their team down there. He literally lives like half a block away from, ASU, from U of A. Uh, I don't know how I even got those confused. And then <laughs> and we walked on campus and, and prayed, and, and, and it was just kind of like, oh, wow, this is like what it's like to be in Tucson. So it was good for me, humbling uh, and, and encouraging. A lot of cool stuff happening down there, but have really missed being with you all, and it's excited to be here uh, this evening. Uh, what we're going to do for the anniversary Sunday is we're going to look at a uh, text here in Acts chapter 15. So if you have your Bible, <clears throat> excuse me, turn to Acts chapter 15. And if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and then one of the guys will be able to get you a copy of the Bible. And if you don't own a Bible, please keep the copy that we're handing out. So again, raise your hand and meet me in Acts chapter 15 as we hear today uh, about God's stories and what are God's stories. But before we jump into that, and as you turn there, I wanted to give you guys an update. Um, at the end of the year, we had our Advent offering, as we all, often do. And then during the Advent offering, there were three things that we were raising money for. One, that we're raising money for the Rio Vista Center to be able to get uh, the Rio Vista Center here, which is an organization that ministers to and serves homeless in our community. And it was going to be an opportunity for us to uh, bless them so that they can serve the homeless people in our community and give them service, services and food and whatnot. The other was... To planting churches, church planters in China that we were giving to money towards. And then lastly, the Redemption, Foster Care, and Adoption Fund. Our goal was $25,000 uh, to raise. And I'm encouraged and excited to say not only did we reach our goal, we passed it uh, more than three times. And so our, our ultimate number was, final number was $82,000 that we raised. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Which is, which is really exciting, and not that it's a competition, but it was more than all the other congregations other than Gilbert. But it's not a competition, and they're twice as big as us. So um, it was, it's, 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 uh, it's definitely something that we're excited about. So with that, today we get an opportunity to hear kind of the bigger story of what God has been doing in our church. 
And it's been an exciting day for us here in Tempe and for all the congregations uh, to hear stories of what God is doing. And so what I titled our message for tonight is God's Stories. And simply, I believe that God's stories is something that we as a congregation need to get into the waters of our life, meaning how we can continue to share stories about what God is doing and how he's moving in our life. Even if it's something very small or it's something big, where we see God continue to advance his kingdom through a particular group of people. And so the text that I have tonight is from Acts chapter 15, and where Paul, Peter, and Barnabas, they go to this council in Jerusalem to begin to tell the leaders of the church how God is moving. Primarily in this context of this text is that they are bringing Gentiles, those are non-ethnic Jewish people, and how God is working in their life, which is what's a significant thing for them at that time. And so we'll look at that, and three things I want you to see uh, when telling a God story or being a part or involved of a God story is one, what you see is God is at work among a community. You begin to see God at work within a community. The second thing is that there's a moment after a period of time that you can reflect and seeing God move, seeing his sovereign hand in someone's life or in a church's life, as we'll talk about today, and that's called theological reflection. So God at work in our community, and then theological reflection. And then lastly is what you'll see is evidence of grace. You'll see how God is continuing to work through his grace, that he's always worked by his spirit, through the work of Christ, through grace, and he will continue to be able to see those three things, God at work, a theological reflection, and also evidence of grace. And so if you read with me here in Acts chapter 15, it says, But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers." Um, what would happen naturally when it comes to an anniversary, especially anniversary of people who have been married for some time, what they'll often do is they'll ask questions and, and tell stories, and they'll, they'll come up with the last question of how did we get to where we are now? Like, how did we get here? And they'll be able to journey and see this is what happened, and this is what happened, and after this, this happened. And this is something we do, my wife and I, every year, that on our anniversary, we try to go to dinner somewhere and look at the last several years and talk about the way life used to be and how God moved us from here to there, and then how we used to have this thing called sleep, and now we don't have that anymore before the kids came. It was just, just something you look back on. Or some of us, one of the reasons I love pastoring this church and pastoring in Arizona in general is that people are not from Arizona. Most people have, they're from other places and they migrate here, usually somewhere from the Midwest and from California, right? People from the Midwest come here to get out of the, the cold weather and people from California get out here to, to get out of traffic and finances and everything else. And so we land here in the desert and you'll hear people say, how did you get here? Multiple stories. But what we do is when we tell these stories, we usually tell the things that we can see in the natural, but we hardly ever talk about how God was moving. Meaning we hardly ever look and see the way the Holy Spirit was moving to get us to particular places in order to do a work in our life. Um, when we begin to see these stories, we begin to see, wow, God has always been at work. And maybe you as an individual or maybe your marriage or maybe your friendship. But here the, this evening for our time is saying God has been at work in our church. The context here in chapter 15 um, to get here, Acts chapter 1, what we see is Jesus ascends into heaven. And he tells his disciples, the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on you, so stay here in Jerusalem. 
And then Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the disciples. Uh, They begin to preach the gospel. Men and women and children begin to believe upon Jesus and become Christians. And the church begins to grow. And the conflict that they had within the church was there was a man named Saul, who was a man who would persecute the church and who hated Christians. Well, this man had an encounter with God himself, Christ, who begins to tell him, why are you persecuting my church? And in this moment, this man Saul has a conversion, begins to believe in Jesus. And that was significant because God used this man Saul, changed his name to Paul, and began to use him to plant many churches and also to write over half of the New Testament. Well, Saul's first church planting experience is in Antioch. And it happens to be in the church in Antioch where he began to see more than just Jewish people begin to come to faith that there were people from all different types of background, all different ethnicities that were a part of this congregation. In fact, the non-Christians around them began to look at the Christians and say, what would we call them? They're people not like the communities around us, meaning they look different, they act different, yet they follow this Jesus. And that was the first time that they were actually called Christians, and that name was given to them by the people who didn't trust Christ. Well, from there, they begin to see God is at work in this community. And this is not just a Jewish thing, but the gospel of Christ Jesus for all types of people. Well, they needed to go to Jerusalem and then go into Jerusalem to explain this to the council, to the the church head that was in Jerusalem to say, we can't just make this a Jewish thing. Like, like God is bringing people together to do a significant work and guiding history to its attended end. And you see, God is at work in the church. And this begins to be a fundamental shift in church history and when God begins to move the church. You say, what does that have to do with us? Well, when it comes to the story of redemption, some of you know this, many of you may not even know this. The way we came to be a church was in 2010, there were five guys who were getting together, and these five guys were getting together to talk about how the gospel was going to come to bear in the city of Phoenix, how we were going to plant more churches, how we were going to make more disciples, and from these guys, they began to start a network called the Surge Network. And the Surge Network was going to be a group of people, and it is, of pastors who were in different churches throughout the city, now all the way to northern Arizona as well as southern Arizona, where we'd get together once a month and talk about issues that are happening in the city and how we collectively can address it. Well, from that, they started to ask questions, how do we do training and development? And so they started something called the Surge School and invited professors from different speakers around the country to be a part of the the Surge School for lay-level leaders to be trained. Well, then they begin to say, like, well, what about if our churches came together? Could we do this better? And so the three churches that was represented in these five guys was, at the time, Second Mile Church, which is now Redemption Gateway, Praxis, which is Redemption Tempe and Redemption Arcadia, and East Valley Bible Church, which is Redemption Gilbert. Those are the three churches that are represented there. We begin to look at values and say the values are the same, the doctrine is the same, the theology is the same, the philosophy is the same. We could probably do this better together. And so in 2011, we started for the first time Redemption Church, and that's how we begin. In 2011, I was at the Gilbert Congregation, and in the end of 2010, I came to Tempe. Now, with that, when it came to the name of redemption and how we name redemption, it's kind of like when you name kids, and those of you guys in this room who have children, you know how hard that could be. I mean, if you're, if you're like the sixth in your family, like if you're Ricardo the sixth, like you know if you have a boy, like it's going to be the seventh, right? It's like I'm not going to break this up. It's been going good for so long, right? But if you don't have that, you're thinking of a name, and as soon as you tell people what you're naming your kid, you go, oh, no, no, like I knew this girl. 
you don't want to name her that, right? <laughs> Every time I see your child, and, and so it kind of ruins you. Well, we were looking at our church names, and like, we got to get rid of these names, right? So first we had second mile. Like, we can't be second mile because we don't even know what that means, right? And so we got rid of that. And then it was like, well, what about Praxis? And it's like, well, no one speaks Greek. And so we got rid of that. And then East Valley Bible Church didn't make sense. One, was, it was long. And it was like, hey, we want to plant churches in Phoenix. And Phoenix is not the East Valley. And so that doesn't make sense. And, and all, all, also, we knew that church names came with errors. If you came or influenced, or you came out of or influenced by Dallas Theological Seminary, and you started a church in the late 80s or 90s, you were a Bible church. And there's a lot of Bible church movements. And then if you were around the late, late 90s, early 2000s, you had a Greek, Latin, or Hebrew name. Hence, Praxis, right? And we knew Missio Dei. And all of these, all these names, like, we knew that. And then, I don't know what Luke was thinking when he named Second Mile. <laughs> uh, that's no error. So we just, I'm not sure. So, so we looked at those names, like, we got to get rid of that. And so we looked in the Bible and said, what would be a good name that would tell the story of the gospel? And so we got Redemption. Redemption was a good name. It's a biblical name. It's something that won't change. God thought it was a good name to use it in the Bible, so we thought we would name it Redemption. It worked for us, and so that's how we got our name, and that started for us in 2011. First, it was East Valley Bible Church in Praxis, and then six months later, uh, Second Mile wanted to join in, and so we joined together and became one church. And it would be great to say, and everything was amazing and great. No. In the same way that, that Barnabas and Paul were on their way to Jerusalem to talk to this particular church and its leaders um, about the inclusion of the Gentiles. Even though they were excited, even though they trusted that God was at work, there was still kind of this, I wonder what they're going to say. And for us to be able to bring the churches together and, and go forth before the members of each congregation and the people in our church and say, we're bringing these churches together because we believe God is doing something, that wasn't that easy. Because we're bringing this, what was known as this hipster church with uh, the suburban church in Gilbert and then like the suburban, suburban, suburban church out in Gateway uh, Farm Church. And to bring those churches together, it's like, how is this going to happen? But we trust that, that God was at work. And so 2011, we, we, we started it. And then 2012 became the year of saying, who are we? Like, who are we? I mean, we're together and we said that we're going to be better together. And we, began able, we be, were able to do things that we probably couldn't have done as one church. It just even some of the things that we talked about just, just earlier today with the refugees and what we've been able to do in that community. Um, even some of the things that we've been able to do in Morocco. Even some of the things we've been able to do in China. All the things we're able to do overseas and locally, we've been able to do because we have been together. But at 2012, we still didn't know who we were. Um, 2012 also, we had two church plants. We had West Mesa which is our bilingual congregation. Uh, they meet in West Mesa, and they have their own challenges in the fact that they do English as well as Spanish. Their neighborhood is unique. Um, one of the things that Chris Amaro told me, he said, one of the, the challenges we have is reading, reach, reaching the Latino man. And he goes, and being able to reach him, not just because it's hard for the gospel, because he works a lot. And so Sundays are hard. Wednesday nights are hard. So when we're trying to do Bible study and we're trying to do fellowship, it's really hard. But they've been able to see many of these men come to know Jesus, trust in Christ, and be able to actually begin to lead Bible studies. They actually started a, um, a community center that they have there that they do ESL training and they do leadership training and things for the community. They have a food bank there to be able to provide for the families in the community. And another really cool story, the way that this works with us being better together, is when we were looking to purchase this property, we knew that we had extra space, 
that we wanted to be able to use to bless the community. Well, there was a guy in the Gilbert congregation, heard that we were buying space, uh, went to, came to us and said, hey, I own a piano store in, in this West Mesa area. If I can take my pianos and fix them somewhere else, particularly maybe in Tempe, I can give this building to West Mesa, who's been praying to have some space to meet at outside of the elementary school. Um, and, and it's near a bus stop, which is also what they wanted because many of the members in their congregation have, they use public transportation. And so, so we thought, oh, that'd be a great idea. And we said, pray about it. And he's like, I don't need to pray about it. I, I have a building. And if you guys want the building, we're like, yeah, you're right. We're being too spiritual. Thank you. We'll take your building, right? <laughs> and then the, so that, that worked out. Not, <laughs> not only did we plant West Mesa that year, we planted Flagstaff. When I say we, we did that here in Redemption Tempe because Vince Garvey was the most energetic, awesome dude in the entire universe, right? And so we had Vince here, and Vince and the people went up to Flagstaff, and they started Redemption Flagstaff a little over a year ago, and their team has been great. Uh, we actually had a chance to have Vince and his wife stay at our house on Friday night. We had a meeting, and they wanted to stay over and drive back up to Flagstaff, and we're just sharing stories about what's happening up there. And the best story that Vince told me was that they've been meeting in this small room um, off the main kind of road in Flagstaff, like not the main road, but it's near a couple restaurants and there's like a brewery right there and you keep going like any use there and a small little room. Well, they had just started their night services and there's about 55, 60, about 60 people in this room and two guys were just kind of walking down the street and heard the music and they walked in. And Vince is like, I noticed them when they walked in because it's a small room and we're trying to grow our church. And it's like, we had 60 people. They came in. I'm like, yes, 62, right? And so they walked in the middle of the sermon. And he goes, not to the sermon, like we do here, we have response time. These guys came up to the communion tray and they said, um, what, what is this? And Vince is there and, you know, there's like the line behind him. And Vince is trying to explain, this is bread and this is wine. Like, yeah, but what is it? And so Vince begins to explain the gospel to him. It's, it represents Jesus' broken body for us and his shed blood. And that by trust and faith in him, we believe in him. We do this every week to remind ourselves of what we believe. Well, these two guys on the spot said, we believe. They take communion. After the service is over, Vince kind of tracks them down and follows up and, and goes to hang out with them and hears their story. And they literally were just walking down the street, probably leaving the brewery, um, heard the music, walked in, and then God saved them. <laughs> and then it gets better than that. They go home. They tell their roommates, you won't believe what happens. Tell them the story. The roommates come. They come and check out Redemption Flagstaff, and then they become Christians too. And now all four of them are part of this church. So I was like, that's amazing. So now I'm thinking for church growth strategy, we're going to sell this building. We're going to buy a building near Four Peaks, and we're going to do church there. <laughs> it's going to be great, <laughs> right? People just come off the street. People, <laughs> So really... Just an incredible story about Redemption Flagstaff. We also in Redemption, excuse me, in 2012, in Tempe, we had Justin Anderson, who was our lead pastor, go and plant a church in San Francisco. He felt called to go, and we're going to talk more about that later because we're going to have Justin come back um, in March and be able to preach with us and be able to tell what's going on in Flagstaff. But it was a big year as we're still going, who are we? And then lastly, in 2013, 2013 was a year that we had clarity that we knew that God had called us to be a multi-congregational church. And when I say multi-congregational, there's a difference between multi-site and multi-congregational. Multi-site is usually different campuses and one preacher and a video somewhere, and that's fine and that works, but that wasn't what God had called us to. We knew that we were called to a preacher in a particular place, local elders to a particular people to do ministry and disciple those in front of us. And that's what God had called us to. And also, we believe that we exist as a church to strengthen and to start healthy congregations. 
uh, whether they're redemption congregations or they're congregations outside of redemption, that we believe that we have been blessed to be a blessing to be able to encourage people. And all, all of that happened. And then, like, just before the year ended, we were able to adopt and bring in Alhambra Village, which is another community of redemption people who meet right on the 27th Avenue in Indian School in a working poor neighborhood, completely diverse community, um, with Aaron Daly as their lead pastor. And that's been a blessing. And so now we have seven congregations. And it started off with five guys saying, hey, I think God is at work. Let, let, let's see what he does. And that's the way we've been, and that's the way we've grown, and that's the church who we are. And some of you know that story, and you're familiar with that story. Some of you are going, I, have no, I did not know that story. I met someone today. Today was their first time coming to redemption. The way they heard about redemption is that we have a night where people can come pick up vegetables and stuff that the refugees grow, and they just happen to come. This is not a Christian organization, but they use our space, and they're like, oh, here's a church, and they showed up here on a Sunday today, and they're like, yeah, we came because of the vegetables. I'm like, that's another thing we're doing. We're doing beer and vegetables. We bring them in between those things, right? That's kind of our church growth strategy, so just been amazing, right? Just God stories everywhere, um, but what you begin to see is you see God at work, and then you sense God at work, and then you step back, and then you reflect. In the same way that Peter and Barnabas, they were at the church of Antioch for a while to be able to see, is this really God moving? And then once they were able to step back and reflect, once Peter himself was able to step back and reflect, they began to go forward and say, now we can reflect upon what God has done. That's the second part. But any God story, especially when we tell the story of our church, you have to theologically reflect. It's something that's even very helpful for you guys to do individually. That you look at your life and you see, okay, what has God been doing? Um, so one of the things that I like to do in my life personally is see how God has worked in my life. I like to tell people, see, I was born in Mississippi. My, my mom and my dad um, got married, got pregnant with me. My dad and my mom separated. My dad moved to California. My mom had me and thought she should reconcile things with my dad. Moved us to California. When my mom moved to California, she was, did not have a relationship with Jesus. And then when she got there, my dad's mom began to disciple her and lead her to Christ. And so all I knew was his Christian mom. And so I grew up um, having a mom who loved Jesus. And though myself, I didn't follow Christ, I had that foundation. God himself, I could say in the natural way, brought me here to go to school, but brought me here to attend ASU. Going to school and attending ASU are two different things, right? And so I came here to attend ASU, and it was there where God began to work in my heart. And so when my kids ask the question, how do we get here, I can tell that story and go, this is how God works in our family. He moves people to different states in order to save them. So chances are, if you guys want to walk with Jesus, you're going to have to move to a different state, right? Just don't go to Mississippi, right? Just go somewhere else. That'd be fine for us, right? And we, we can see God's hand. Well, you can also see this um, even in the story that we have here in Acts. In fact, re- continue to read with me here in verse 5. It says, but some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and in or- to order them to keep the law of Moses. I think with any time that there's growth, any time there's, there's success, especially in churches, it is easy for us to look at what man could do and measure that as opposed to seeing what the Spirit can do. 
The Pharisees are saying, wait, wait, wait a minute. No, no, no. If the Gentiles want to become a part of what God is doing, then here's some things that they need to do. And the things they wanted to do were all in the natural, things that they could do. Now, if you've been a part of redemption for some time, we've taught through Galatians, and we've been teaching through Romans, and you're like, circumcision seems to come up a lot in this church. I don't know why, but it does, right? In fact, it's going to be a part of our membership process. So if you're not a member, get ready, right? In the early church, it was not so much about the circumcision as it was. It was an outward identity of the people. But God was beginning to work inward, and you could not measure those things. You could not force those things. That's not something that man could do, something that the Holy Spirit had to do. And when it came to us as a, as a church, I'm telling you, when people outside of Redemption would look at Redemption Church, they would say the only way this is going to work is because you guys have two incredible leaders. And those two guys was Justin Anderson and Tom Schrader. Two guys who had done significant ministry, two guys who were incredible leaders, two guys that I personally am indebted to. But it would be just like God in the first year and a half of our church to go, call Justin to go to San Francisco, and then call Tom to say, I'm going to step back and not be in my role. I mean, honestly, it's kind of funny now looking back on it, because if those of you who were around at the beginning of this, we had videos made of Justin driving in a truck down Arizona, talking about redemption, right? He just kept driving and driving, and, and he, got to San, he got to San Francisco, right? And, and, then, and then we had him and Tom Schrader talking about redemption. And in fact, the first things that we handed out, and, and because we're cheap and haven't made anything else, we still hand these things out. And at the very back, it's like, from your lead pastors, Justin Anderson, Tom Schrader, who no longer work here, right? It's like, but I mean, we look back on that and go, wow, probably the best thing that could have happened to us as a church, and especially as leaders to make sure we trust in God and not in the giftedness of one man or two men. Now, at the time when it happened, I thought this is the worst thing that could have possibly happened to Redemption Church. Um, but then we began to see what God was doing. I mean, we can't just look at, the church is never about a personality. When you hear personality-driven churches or whatever, that, listen, it, if there's a person that drives it, it has to be the person of the Holy Spirit. It has to be the work of the Spirit. The Spirit opens up our eyes to see the gospel. The Spirit opens up our eyes to see Jesus, to see who he is. The Spirit confirms in us that we are children. The Spirit grows God's church. The Spirit is the one who is leading people to do what God has called them to do. The Spirit is the one who gives gifts to men and women to be able to use those gifts, to edify the body and to glorify God. It is always the Holy Spirit, and it will always be the Holy Spirit. And I love what Peter does here next as they're debating about should we have these guys get circumcised or not? Should we be able to do that? And Peter's going, no. No, it's not about what we can do. It's always been about what God can do. Let's reflect for a while and see how God has always worked. And here's what Peter says in verse 6. He says, The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we could have been able to bear? What he's saying is, it's never been about a person, and it's never been about people. It's never been about external things. It's always been about the Holy Spirit working through the preaching of the gospel. 
It's always about the Holy Spirit who gathers the people together to show them Christ. It will always be about the Holy Spirit. When people ask us sometimes, how many more churches are we going to plant? We don't have to plant any more churches. If God wants to say no more and seven congregations it, that's it. If God wants to shut the doors down, that's it. We, we have a moment in time in which God begins to use us, and if for whatever reason God says, I'm done using Redemption Tempe, We're, I'm, I'm going to do something else in the city, that's it. If it's about me, if it's about anybody else, it's meaningless. Like, honestly, it's meaningless. It is, it is pointless. It is not about a preacher or leaders or any of that. It's always about the Holy Spirit. If we are faithful and we could submit to the Word of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we'll be just fine. Because we'll see how faithful God is, even when moments when we are faithless. That Redemption Church does not exist to make the name of redemption known. That's pointless, and it's shallow. Redemption Church exists to exalt the name of Christ Jesus in all that we do, in all that we say, and all that we think. Amen? Like, the, I, I can't stress that enough. Um, it, it cannot be what's cool or what's hip. or Because what, you know what? That's going to fade to black one day. And it's just going to be us. And as long as we are submitting ourselves to the authority of Scripture and to the, to, to, the, to the work of Christ by the Holy Spirit, we trust that God will always move because he's always moved this way. When we reflect in our lives individually, God worked through the Holy Spirit. He brings people in our life, yes, but he works through the Holy Spirit. He gives us jobs, yes, but he works through the Holy Spirit. And God has always done that, and we trust that he, that he will, and we'll be powered by the Holy Spirit. First thing we see in God's story is that God is at work. And we begin to see he's at work. We step back, and for us, for the last three years, and we can see his hand. And we see the Holy Spirit is at work. And we continue to see people drawn to Jesus. We begin to see men and women be able to give their lives and serve for others. And then the last thing that we see is there's evidence of grace. If you read with me in verse 11 and 12, <coughs> Peter says, But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Peter, Peter says, we believe that we will be saved by grace, meaning we believe that it's only going to be by grace, God's undeserved gift. We believe as the church started, as the church is now, as the church will be, that it will be by grace. And after that, they said they just listened to Paul and Barnabas. Like they just brought Paul and Barnabas up and said, okay, it's by grace. It's by the Holy Spirit. So tell us everything that's been happening. And they begin to tell them about the signs and about the wonders. They begin to tell stories about their church. And so this, this last point of evidence of grace, I, I just want to be able to focus more on Tempe. Even though today's re Redemption Church anniversary, we've got to get back to, to my favorite congregation. And I can say that because it is. <laughs> I don't want to lie to you guys. It's Tempe. And just to see what God has been doing. Uh, not just this past year, but even in the past three years. It has been one of the greatest joys for me is to go from Gilbert. I was in Gilbert uh, up until 2010, and I came in at the very end of 2010. And then God began to show even just favor through that. I went from being uh, a high school pastor of about 300 high school kids, and then in about eight months, God made me the pastor of a congregation of about 1,000 um, high High school kids still, but it was a lot, a lot, a lot, of, lot of fun. I mean, it was just completely, it was awesome. Just in the past year, this time last year in Tempe, we were gearing up to start our capital campaign in which we were going to raise a million dollars, right? Something we've never done to be able to have property so that we wouldn't have to move from building to building to building. And so the property that you are in now is because we are still in the middle of a three-year capital campaign. 
And, and we went into that capital campaign, scared as all get off. We prayed like crazy. We, we fasted, and we say we. You all joined in with us. We had a day of fasting. We came here and prayed, and it was amazing. And we had a goal of raising $100,000 and just one offering to start this three-year campaign. And we were able to get that plus more. And it was, it was great. Um, from there, throughout the year, we saw seven, over 75 people baptized. One of the things we were praying as elders, and I'm still praying for this year, and you can pray with me. Last year, I prayed for 40 people who did not know Jesus at the beginning of 2013 to know Jesus by the end. And this year, I'm praying for 50 people who do not know Jesus now that by the end of the year that they would know Jesus through the ministry of you guys. Like, not just through my preaching, but through the ministry of us and our workplaces and our neighborhood. You say, how are you going to count it? I'm not. <laughs> I don't need to count. The angels are singing. They'll probably let me know or something, right? And so there, 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 there is a sense, just want to see people. Because part of the way that churches grow numerically is that someone goes, oh, there's something happening over there. I'm going to leave my church and go to this church. And we're going, listen, there are reasons where people do leave churches, and there are really valid reasons for that. But we would love that there are plenty of people in this city, in this neighborhood, in this community that are walking around right now that are children of God who do not yet know it, who need to hear the gospel. Those people need to hear the gospel. They need one of you guys to come alongside them and disciple them, teach them how to read, teach them how to pray, teach them how to give, teach them how to serve, and they need to grow. And then they need to go back again and do it again. That's called discipleship, right? And that's what we need to do. And we've been doing that, and I pray that we do more of it. We saw over 30 baby dedications, and given by how many women are pregnant now, especially in the morning, we're probably going to have 30 in the next, like, three or four weeks, right? And so we'll see more and more babies. Uh, this, this past year, I think just as a congregation as a whole in Tempe, we just became more one. Meaning we had more people in communities, more people serving, and more people fellowshipping with one another. And some of my favorite things is when a couple comes into my office or into one of our offices, and they're, they're, they're seeking divorce, and then how the spirit begins to work. And not only are they just together, but there's reconciliation, where hearts that were cold are now warmed to the gospel and warmed to each other. That's beautiful. We had, we had a couple, maybe two or three couples that were trying to have children who could not and tried everything medically that they could, and then just stopped and said, okay, God wants to us adopt and then was going through the adoption process, and this happens quite a bit, and then God goes, uh-uh, baby, right? <laughs> and it's been amazing a few times. Um, one of my favorite stories in the past couple of years here is that we had, we had a couple. There was a, a single mom who had a son and then um, also uh, a guy. They were getting married, and in their wedding, be, the, one of the best weddings I've ever been to, the best wedding I've ever been to outside of mine, is that, <laughs> is that they got married, and not only did they get married, during the, the wedding reception, they had an adoption ceremony where he signed the official papers to adopt this kid as his own. And everyone's crying, and, and, and I might have been crying a lot, right? And I'm just like, this is amazing. Are you crying? I'm like, of course I'm crying. Are you kidding me? This is like a picture of the gospel right here. Man, it was amazing, right? And what we did this week is I um, had all the elders send out emails to different volunteers and staff and people and say, hey, just give me stories. And I, could, I can't share all the stories, but I sat at the table this morning at my house before I left and reread all these stories, and I just wept because God has been unbelievably faithful to us, just, just crazy faithful to us for no reason other than his grace. Um, when, we, when we merge together, right, um, I'm just telling stories, and I'm going to keep telling these stories because it's evidence of grace, is that we had a Good Friday service at the Gilbert Lawn. Um, they, had a, they have a big, huge lawn there, and all of us got together to have a Good Friday service. Two weddings came out of that, which is crazy. First, a guy shows up, um, first time going to a church, hears the gospel, 
um, goes online, listens to a message, finds Tempe congregation, and then starts coming here, uh, trusting Jesus, meets a girl, and now they're married having a baby. Um, the other story was a guy who was um, from the Gilbert congregation who was going to be coming over to Tempe, and then he meets a girl, goes over to that girl, introduces himself. No, that's not what happened. He sees the girl, doesn't introduce himself, like the creeper, um, goes, on to, goes on to the city, which is our online communication, looks her up, right? <laughs> sends her a message. Now, her, being a godly woman, she goes to one of her pastors and goes, do you know this guy? I mean, is this this a creeper? And I knew him, and I said, yeah, he's a creeper, but he's a godly creeper, right? And so... (laughs) And so, because I, I, I knew them, and so they end up meeting, and I end up doing their wedding like a year later, and they've been married for two years. It's amazing, right? In fact, the girl, the godly girl is Reagan, who's been singing today, and her creeper husband's around here somewhere right now. <laughs> Creeping. <laughs> right? It, it just, 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 just amazing, amazing stories. And it goes on and on and on and on, and just uh, last week, this is the last one, we can get here all day. Last week, just, and it just, God's providence. One of the babies in the morning time in the children's ministry stopped breathing. Seven-month-old baby. And we had a gal that was there who was filling in, wasn't even supposed to be there, who's a physician assistant, was able to perform CPR, and the baby's just fine. Like, you look at that stuff and you go, God, you're just amazing. And, And hear me, I know there's pain in this room, and I know there's a lot of stories that God is still at work, and there's a lot of hurt, and, and I get that. And the thing about the story is it's not finished. It's just saying, like, we can celebrate a lot, and everything that we can celebrate, we can say, we can pull back what we can see in the natural and see God's hand there. He's definitely at work. We can reflect and see he's always been at work, and we can see his evidence of grace. We've trusted in the past, we can trust it now, and we can trust that he's going to constantly be faithful for us in the future. So some of you are going, okay, well, what next? And, and, and here's, here's what I would say for us as a congregation going, going forward. Um, get involved. Like, start somewhere and grow. If you're a person here and you're saying, I don't know what my next step is, um, I, I, if you attend service once a month, go to three. If you've never read your Bible, start reading it. If you've never prayed, start praying. If you're going, I don't know what my next step is, take that information card, put your name, your email address, and then put, I don't know what my next step is, turn it in at the connect desk, and then we will contact you, and we will send somebody to meet with you to tell you your next step, right? And you can get that going. There's so many areas in which you can connect and meet people and be involved, and we need it. It's like a big family. A big family usually has a list of things that someone has to write up and say, I'm going to sweep, I'm going to do that, and listen, you can do them. Um, children's ministry. We constantly need people doing children's ministry. Guys, we need guys doing children's ministry. Um, this past three or four months, we've had the most people come onto our congregation, especially in December. And we also had the most people we had to turn away because not, not that we didn't have enough space for them, we didn't have enough leaders in children's ministry. And you know how that usually works. It's usually someone who's going, you know what, I'm finally going to go to church. It's supposed to be a loving, welcoming place. Sorry, there's no room in the inn, <laughs> right, during Christmas time. Ironic, right? And so we say that to people, and it's like we get more leaders in there. We can take all the babies and more babies and more babies. Now, you say, who should do this? Everyone, except Eric. If you're here and you're going, I don't like kids, you're exempt, all right? Everyone else, if you can tolerate kids, it could just be once a month, you can do that. Another way to meet somebody, you don't have to have a full commitment to something, is the mission tour. The mission tour is coming up, and we have a value that we believe all of life is all for Jesus. And this mission tour is a weekend in which you and a few people from all of redemption go around the whole city, and you see what God is doing through different nations, through different vocations and people, in the city. And if you're going, I don't know what that means, just go sign up for it online and then you'll meet people and you can get more involved into the life of the church. Get in a redemption community. That should be a goal of yours, we, to be in community with people. 
Um, there's a roots class that we have that basically is a community starter. We're going to start announcing, do something. Take a connect class, do something. Wherever you are, start somewhere and grow and that we can continue to be a church that makes disciples who continues to love God and all that we do, trusting in his grace. Amen? I'm going to have you guys do something as I close. Would you guys stand up? We're going to play for, pray for all of the congregations uh, and, the, and their team there. And, um, and as we do that, just as I pray, just please pray with me for just God's continued favor. And, um, and we could uh, just continue to worship him this year and all that we do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you for the work and the life of redemption, Lord. We know that we are just one of many churches in which you are blessing in this city and this country and in this world. God, we lift up to you Vince and his team and Flagstaff, God, that you would be with them and your anointing and presence would be upon them. And, Lord, we also lift up to you Aaron and the Hombra Village, Lord, that you'd be with them and that you'd be with the team of Tim Mon and the team in Gilbert and Luke in Gateway and Frank on Arcadia and Chris in West Mesa, Lord, and be with us here. God, we thank you so much for what you've done, Lord. And, Lord, we pray that we would continue to be faithful to you as we know that you are faithful to us. Lord, I pray for every single person here, Lord, that has an opportunity, Lord, to know you and trust you, Lord, that they would begin to pour themselves out for others and for the needs of our community. God, I pray that your spirit will continue to empower us and that we will continue to exalt and lift up the name of Jesus in everything we do and everything that we say. God, we ask that you'd use us and that you'd fill us and that you'd guide us and you'd give us the needed wisdom, Father, and that we'd continue to be a church that prays and believes the big things of God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.